Thank you, Margaret and Rebecca and Sheila. We're concluding our mini-series on prophets today, everyday prophecy. And uh, in the last few weeks, we have talked about the forth-telling aspect of prophets, those prophets that speak those tough messages, truth to power, if you will. We talked about Amos. We talked about those foretelling prophets that talk about a world to come that's better, the good shepherd coming. We talked about that, or Pastor Kim talked about that last week. But today we're going to talk about Elijah and Elisha. And this is not so much about prophecy in the context we've talked about prophecy in the past, but it's more about priorities. It's about putting God first and being blessed because of it. Now, Elijah and Elisha were very similar. They, Elisha was Elijah's protege. They did a lot of the very same things in this world. They did a lot of miraculous things. In fact, I like to think of them as parallel prophets. Almost everything you can say and read about Elijah, you can also find a parallel passage about Elisha. And so today for this message, I picked a passage about Elijah and one about Elisha, both of which have to do with that theme more than enough. And so first I'm reading from the first book of Kings, chapter 17, verses 7 through 16. And this is that passage of Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah, and said, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, then he came to the town gate, and a woman was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, oh, and bring me a piece of bread too. As surely as the Lord your God lives, the woman replied, don't. I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in this jar and a little olive oil in this jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, the jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord when he sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah said, and as Eliza had told her, so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up 
and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Please sing with me. Come Holy Ghost, our souls inspire, enlighten with celestial fire. Thou the anointing spirit art, who does thy holy gifts impart. And the next passage is a little bit shorter. This one is about Elisha. It's from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 42 through 44. And by the way, the book of Kings, first and second, was all one book. The only reason there's two books is when they were translating it years and years ago when they used to write on parchment and scrolls, it wouldn't all fit on one scroll. It's the only reason there's two books, but it's one continuous story. Verse 42, a man came from Baal Shalisha, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men, his servant asked. But Elijah answered, give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says, they will eat and have some left over. Then he set it before them and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. Sing with me. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I want to be a living sanctuary for you. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, make the little bit that I have to say today more than enough for your people this morning. Amen. Elijah and Elisha, more than enough. In the first reading, God told Elijah, go find this widow, I will feed you through this woman. <laughs> I can imagine Elijah thinking, what? This poor widow is going to take care of me? I can imagine Elijah thinking, really, Lord, this isn't exactly what I had in mind. It's not the miracle I imagined. A little, a little background to this reading is probably important. So at the beginning of this chapter, Elijah had just told the evil king Ahab, that there was going to be a great drought in the land, a great famine, and there wouldn't be any rain, any dew even, until the Lord said so. And this made Elijah, of course, very unpopular with the king and all the king's people, and so he had to run, he had to hide. And the Lord sent him away and told him where to hide and said, I'll give you this brook, this place where you'll have water despite this drought, and I'm going to send ravens to feed you while you're hiding out. <laughs> and the scripture says that the ravens 
brought Elijah meat and bread every morning and every night. (laughs) Meat and bread. That's a sandwich to me. Can you imagine that? These ravens flying in, airdropping these sandwiches to Elijah so that he could survive. But here's the thing you probably didn't think about, and that's the fact that ravens are dirty birds. (laughs) They're unclean according to kosher standards. If you read chapter 11 of Leviticus, a, a Jewish person couldn't eat, couldn't touch a raven. Why not? Well, ravens eat dead stuff. They eat roadkill. So can you imagine these dirty ravens flying in with all that gunk on them, dropping off this food for Elijah to eat? Here's how God is providing for you. (laughs) Oh, it's so often true that the miracles that we think we need are not often what God has in mind. And so that, as background, brings us up to our reading today in this same brook that God had given Elijah to drink from had now dried up. So Elijah needs both water and food at this point. And God sends Elijah to this poor widow woman who doesn't have two pennies to rub together. In fact, as we read, she only had a couple of sticks to rub together. You'd think God might have sent him to a rich man in a mansion, but no, she, he sends him to a poor widow in a shack. Sometimes God's miracles don't look exactly like what we have in mind, do they? <laughs> you see, miracles are born out of need. They're made out of need. If there's not a need to challenge us, If there isn't a need to challenge us, well, perhaps a need like a pandemic? (laughs) If there isn't a need to challenge us, there won't be a miracle to come from it. There won't be a miracle to boast to your faith. So when God wants to boast to your faith, when you ask God to give you faith, He's going to mess with your need and be very careful about that because he's going to stir you and challenge you in an area that you're probably most uncomfortable, like dirty ravens bringing you food. He's going to challenge you in an area where you're most vulnerable, something that you can't possibly get your head around, something that you can't possibly see, a miracle you can't imagine. Perhaps... That's a new online campus. Something many of us can't see. Can't see that, can we? That online church thing, that's beyond our comprehension. We can't see it. But I'm sure of this, we will never see it. You'll never find out what your potential is until you've been challenged. Until you've been challenged beyond your limits. beyond what you can see. And notice that's exactly what Elijah does for this woman who's been provided by God to feed him. He challenges her way beyond her limits. He comes to the woman and says, I'm thirsty. And then he goes beyond 
that even and challenges her where she is most vulnerable. Give me food. <laughs> A woman who doesn't have any food. You see, if it was within her reach, if it were easy for this woman to do, it wouldn't have been a miracle, would it? It wouldn't have been a miracle. I imagine her saying to Elijah something like this, well, you know, it normally wouldn't be a problem, but we have this situation going on right now, you know, I've been trying to raise my boys by myself, and we have this drought. Haven't you been watching the news? It's kind of like there's this big national emergency going on now, Elijah. There's not enough. People are starving. Haven't you been figuring this out? It's kind of like there's this big national emergency pandemic going on right now. Haven't you been figuring that out? You think God can provide a miracle, something new out of that? And I can imagine the woman saying, and the thing I rely on, those things I depended on, they're gone. She said, in fact, right now, just before I encountered you, I was picking up, well, just these two sticks. Just these two sticks. You know you're broke when all you can count is two sticks. <laughs> you know you're broke. She's just got this little bit of firewood, just enough for a fire for her boys to cook one last final supper and then she knows she's going to be like just like the rest of her neighbors who are stacked up at the end of the street wrapped in burlap waiting to be buried people who have starved to death she's watched her neighbors go she's watched the friends around the corner go and die she's fought it as long as she could and now she's down to her last two sticks to make a fire She's got a little bit of flour, a little bit. She's got a little bit of oil, a little bit. She's going to make a little bit of bread. And then she says, we're going to eat a little bit, my sons and me, and then we're going to die. <laughs> then we're going to die. Notice how poverty thinking is generational. It goes from one generation to another. <laughs> it does. It's too bad, but it does. I can remember growing up with neighbor kids. We had three kids in our family. They had four in theirs. We played together. We rode the bus together. We went to the same schools. They were good kids. They went to Sunday school. But they were living in poverty at the time. Every one of those kids, when they got 16, dropped out of school to get a job. Every one of those kids today is poor. You know how this poverty thing is generational? <laughs> we breathed the same air, we went to the same schools. They had the same education growing up that I did. It's generational. It's a mindset. It's a culture. Poverty thinking is a culture. It has its own mentality. 
And the woman here in this passage is passing it on to her kids. And you know, poverty is not so much about not having money. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. And once you get into that poverty mentality, money can never bring you out because your mind will always rob you. It will rob you of those opportunities that that money gives you. You will always have just a little bit. You will always need just a little bit more. You will never have enough. Certainly not more than enough. Eating is supposed to be life-giving, isn't it? <laughs> but the woman says, I'm going to eat it, and I'm going to die. <laughs> and surprisingly, in this passage, Elijah says, well... Okay, go ahead, fix yourself some lunch, but just make a little bit of bread for me first. <laughs> he doesn't tell her, he doesn't declare as he could as a prophet. He couldn't, didn't say the famine's over, the drought's over, you're going to be okay, you're going to prosper, everything's going to be great. Hallelujah, glory to God. He doesn't say any of those kind of prophetic things, does he? He knows her mindset. He knows that she thinks she's going to die already. He knows her mindset. He thinks you're on this death trajectory already. I can't change your mind. It's like she already wants to go there. Many people have that mindset in our world today, don't they? Many churches have that mindset today. We have just a little bit. We say we just have a little bit. And we're going to eat it up until we die. We're going to eat it up until we die. And that mentality becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it? So Elijah says to this woman, as we read in the scripture, go home, do as you have said, but before you die, <laughs> before that, bake me just a little bit of bread. First, make me a small loaf of bread. Now here is the power in this story, I think, for you and for me this morning. This is the incredible, powerful fact that I think we overlook because we're just concentrating on the miracle. Here's the power. It's not just that she gave this prophet, well, some bread. It's that she gave to him first. <laughs> Did you notice that? She gave it to him first. She put him, someone else's needs, over her own. She gave it to him first. And that's what unlocked the miracle. <laughs> it's not just that she gave, as she said, okay, I'll tell you what, we're going to eat, my kids and me, and then whatever's left you can have. That's not what she said. She gave it to him first. If she'd have said it that way, she'd have never gotten this miracle. <laughs> the miracle is one thing in this passage, but 
this passage is not really so much about miracles. It's not really about prophecy as we've thought about it before. It's about priorities, prioritizing God. It's not about prophecy. Had it been about prophecy, I, Elijah certainly could have prophesied and changed the world. Yeah, it's over, the, the, the famine's over, the drought's over, everything's going to be cool. He didn't say that. He said, just go on in there, that'll be fine. Go on, eat it and die, but break, bake a little bread for me first. Bake something for me first. <laughs> and she did. And she did that. You know, this was long before these words of Jesus, I'm about to say, but she must have somewhere in her mind had this taught to her. Something in her background must have taught her that passage, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all his righteousness, all those things shall be added unto you. It's just not about seeking God. It's about seeking God first. We have to seek God first. Don't you, don't you find it annoying when your friends who need your help come to you last? <laughs> they've screwed up their marriage. They've lost their job. They've lost their dog. Now they come to you and say, what did I do wrong? I say, gosh, I wish you'd have come talk to me first a year ago. You know, God doesn't want to be last either. God doesn't want to be last. God is not in the business of being sought last. God wants you to make him first and come to him first. Does the Lord want us to seek him late at night? No. The Lord does not want us to seek him late at night. He wants to seek him early in the morning. Whenever God asks you for something, he will always ask you to do it for him first. Because God wants to be a priority in your life, not an afterthought, not if you don't have anything better to do and come to church or work for the church. God wants to be first. God doesn't want to be your God at midnight. Seek me first. Call upon me while I'm near. Seek me early so that I can bless you because I'm first. So Elijah says to this woman, make me a small loaf of bread for me first. He didn't ask for much. He didn't ask for everything. He just asked for a portion, just a little bit. He just asked for a little bit. Verse 14, so then this is what the Lord, the God of Israel said, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. Listen closely to that now. God speaking through this prophet, he didn't say that your jar of flour is going to be overflowing. He said it won't run out. It won't run out. It's a lot like when we pray for our daily bread, we don't pray for our daily Mercedes-Benz. I hope nobody here drives a Mercedes-Benz, sorry. 
we pray for our daily bread. He said it will not run out. Your jar won't run out. Now, I, I know that God can make bread if he wants to. <laughs> I know he can. He did it when, you know, the Israelites had escaped from Egypt. They were wandering the desert. They ran out of food, and he, he sent them bread, manna from heaven. I know God can make bread if he wants to. But when God is trying to teach us something, when God wants to teach us something, he's more likely to give us the wherewithal to fix the problem. He's more likely, in this case, to give us the flour. He'll give you just a little bit with the potential to make it way more than enough. <laughs> Which brings us to our short second reading from Second Kings about Elisha. So this man brought Elisha 20 loaves of barley bread and Elisha said to give it to the people and there were a hundred people there and the servant said, how can this possibly feed a hundred people? And Elisha said, give it to the people for this is what the Lord told me to do. And so they did. And there was some left over just a little bit of bread to feed a hundred people with leftovers. There was more than enough. Sound familiar? With just a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread, Jesus fed 5,000 with leftovers. There was more than enough. Abraham said to God, he said, God, I'm too old. I'm too old for you to give me this blessing my body doesn't work. My wife's body doesn't work. You should have offered me this blessing when I was younger. I'm old. I've got just a little bit of life left. Just a little bit of life. Well, you know, you know how that story turned out. <laughs> Abraham and Sarah had more descendants than you could count. You may think you're too old. You may think you have just a little bit, a little bit of life, but if you have a little bit of life, a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of strength, whatever little bit you got, if you're willing to give it to God first, if you're willing to give it to God first, God will make it way more than enough. Talk to your neighbors this morning. Tell your neighbor on one side of you, I got a little bit. Tell, tell, tell them next to you. I know this is weird. Everybody's going, what's going on? Tell them, tell them, I got a little bit. Now turn to your neighbor on the other side and say, hey, I got a little bit. Do you have a little bit? We all have a little bit, don't we? We all have a little bit. Some of us may be old, but we ain't dead yet. I got a little bit of strength. I got a little bit of power. I got a little bit of money. With your little bits. If we prioritize those little bits and give them to God, we will have more than enough. 
This is a prophecy about priorities. It's about putting God first. And if you don't master it on a small scale with a little bit, you're not going to master it on a big scale with a lot. I guarantee that. If you don't master it with a little bit, you're not going to master it with a lot. If you put your little bit to work for God first, it's always going to be more than enough. Let us pray. Gracious God, fix our stubborn minds, fix our stubborn mentalities, fix our scarcity thinking so that we can see your kingdom potential in every little bit you have given us in our lives as we give it to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. benediction with me. Love like your heart is on fire. Live like your dreams all are true. 
do what you can for each other, remembering what he's done for you. Remembering what he's done for you. Go in Christ's peace. Amen.